Welcome to Healthy Living by Design. This is where you can learn everything you wanted to know about healing your body from the inside out so that at any age you can transform your life. I'm Dr. Nene Chung, an integrative, functional, and lifestyle medicine doctor in private practice for over 38 years in New York City. My mission and passion is to teach people how to make your body a better place to live. First, know your body so you can care for your body because our bodies are designed to heal and good health is not merely the absence of disease. It is being vibrant with energy to get up and go. So I hope you enjoyed this next episode. How to tune your body in seven steps. So, you know, part of it is that my mission has been that people can heal from the inside out. And it's been a body, heart, and soul mission for me for 38 years. This is for you if uh, you're exhausted, tired, just tired of being tired, stressed out and feeling hopeless. You've been to so many doctors and still there are no answers or results that have helped you. But the idea is that sometimes it's just running on empty and it's as simple as that. So time is, is passing so quickly. I mean, look, 2023 has already started and it seems like we're well into it. Um, and you might be afraid of losing out on your golden years. Um, you know, the joke is by the time we get to our golden years, I mean, our body is falling apart. And I'd like to say, you know, conventional medicine doesn't really focus on health or dis-ease. So it's, it's not your fault if you haven't heard about this or if you haven't practiced it, because we've been somewhat indoctrinated to follow a medical model, which is all about disease, which is all about the germ theory. And, um, you know, a lot of problems have evolved from traditional medicine. You know, we call it the sad diet, the standard American diet. And doctors traditionally have not been promoting healthy diets for people. And, you know, way before I became licensed, uh, I remember going into a health food store and meeting a, a gentleman who had just come from open heart surgery in Texas. So this is way back when, when, um, you know, he was describing to me how it was a assembly line. And the idea is that when he came out of it and, you know, they cut open his chest, he said it was really dramatic. And, you know, there were hotels, his family, whole family came down. And he said, you know, it's just a big business because when I asked my doctor, what should I do now, doc? What, what should I eat? Because I never want to go through that again. His cardio, cardio, cardiologist said, it's okay. Just go right back to what you were doing. We, we healed you. We cured you. And he said, that's when I knew something was wrong with the system. And so we've come a long way from there. But, you know, again, traditional medicine is looking to, you know, fix and repair rather than get to the root of the problem. Okay. So it all ends today. You know, we're going to untie the ropes <laughs> and get going. So the idea is that you recreate yourself from the inside out. It's body, make your body a better place to live. Heart, which is the center of the universe in your life and in so many others. Um, and soul, which I say where love and spirit meets. So step one we're going to do is breathing. Remember the steps, seven steps. So steps one is breathing. So, you know, what's breathing? We call it, you know, I call it mindful breathing because breathing without breathing, we don't live. 
bottom line. But when we do mindful breathing, so many of us take shallow breaths. So, you know, the lungs expand and they actually expand up um, through our rib cage, down to our rib cage and up through our shoulders, up into our clavicle and way back. And, you know, opera singers really work those uh, diaphragmatic muscles and the chest muscles to actually get as much volume of air as they possibly can. The thing with breathing is that one, if we focus on it mindfully, it really stops our thinking, all that chatter in our brain. It keeps your mind focused on the present moment. And the present is really all we have. You can think about the past. Sometimes it doesn't do you any good to think about the past because you'll be living in the past. You can think about the future, but the future isn't here. The only thing we have is the present moment. And it really helps to keep your body and your mind aligned with the breath. So the breath of life, a simple breath is breathing in through the nostrils and exhaling through the mouth. The idea is that you want to allow your belly muscles to expand open. So when you relax your belly muscles, the idea is that all that air, the diaphragm actually, which is that muscle in between, you know, right below your rib cage, and it goes from the front, the thorax, to your back. So that when you when you breathe in and you relax the belly, you actually get to open up the lungs further and you get that diaphragmatic breathing, which is the deepest breathing that you can do. So you expand the belly muscles. And then when you breathe out through the mouth, you contract the belly. So you do doing, you're not lifting the shoulders. That doesn't help the breath. You're actually relaxing the shoulders. You're loosening the chest, letting the belly muscles open up. I know it doesn't sound good, ladies. We don't like to do that, but it's good for us. <laughs> and then we take in the deep breath. And through our mouth, we let it out. The other way to do something simply as a mindful breath is to do alternate nostril breathing. And so alternate nostril breathing is basically taking the thumb and you can take the ring finger and you breathe in through one nostril, close one nostril, close the right nostril, breathe in through the right, hold. You could do a count and then release through the alternate nostril, the opposite side. Again, on the right side, breathe in and you hold it, close it, pinch it together, hold it for one to two to three to four to five seconds. Breathe out and relax. I like to do, um, and you can, you know, when you're first doing it, you want to be measured. So start little by little. Start with five, you know, count to five in, five, exhale for five. Then you can hold it, breathe in for five, hold it for five, exhale for double, for 10. And then, you know, incrementally start to increase that. So you can breathe in for 10, hold it for five or 10 seconds, and then exhale for double the amount of the inhalation. And again, when you're doing something like that, you're really, 
you're, you're, you're focused on that. You're not focused on everything else in the world as a distraction. The other thing is called forceful exhalation. And this basically is what I would say is the idea that you're getting out the dead air. And when you're doing that, um, you can just do it sitting comfortably. So I would start with a deep breath in, exhalation, breath in, exhalation. And then forceful is just really what you're doing is you're taking breaths in, you're holding it, and then you're forcefully exhaling through your nostrils. So it goes like this. And when you're doing it, you're actually pulling in the belly muscles. So the, as you pull in the belly muscles, it kind of forces that air out. Okay. Um, when you're studying yoga, they call it Kabbalabhati. That's another name for it. An easy name is forced exhalation. So again, you're doing the, the breathing in, breathing out. It's the exchange of oxygen. You know, you're breathing air in and your body, your lungs are taking in oxygen. And when you exhale, you're exhaling out carbon dioxide. So it's taking in what the body needs, exhaling out what the body considers toxic, toxin, toxic. Okay, forceful exhalation. Now, I like to say open mind, clear heart. So when your mind is open to all the realms of possibilities and your heart is clear, that's when your life can really transform. That's being in the moment, not in the past and not in the future, just right here now. And being in the moment is, is really where the healing occurs. So I believe that meditation is the key. And there's so many different types of meditation. Um, meditation has been around forever, as far as we know. Um, and the Indian culture in particular, Chinese, Japanese culture, um, you'll see them work with different mantras. The mantra is a sound that you would repeat over and over again. You can also visualize and see something or focus on a candle, something that would have a calming effect on you. You can look at a beautiful picture. Uh, you can look at a rose. You can look outside at the sunset or the sunrise or look at a tree. So it could be really simple. It doesn't have to be anything complex. But visualize something that would put you in a calming mode. And then there's something that I like called energy activation. And that's actually more of an active meditation where you purposefully move energy through your body. So, you know, we do have energy centers in our body. Um, these are chakras, and I only present it here as a visualization for you, that different areas of the body have different energy points and different colors, as you can see here. So you will have this as a replay. You can go back and, and look. Um, we don't really have time today, but I just wanted to expose you to this um, way of thinking. Um, and this is the chakras uh, are based on um, traditional Indian philosophy. And um, we know that with energy centers, they correlate to different areas of Western medicine in terms of um, the names. I mean, it's not a direct correlation, but oftentimes when you study some traditional, um, you know, Indian, Chinese, uh, Japanese modes of healing, you'll see that there is a correlation with Western science. So I always find that really fascinating. So in the third eye, you're allowing that universal light energy to come into the body. 
allowing it to swirl. So I like to say you can do this both as a healing um, and you can do it as a scan. So if you close your eyes when you're doing this and allow that light energy, and if for some reason you lose the light, you can always open your eyes and look at your light source again to capture it. And it may take some training to, to get that vis visualization. So you don't um, need to always open your eyes, but when you do, just open your eyes and then close your eyes again and start the scan. You can say it out loud to yourself. You can say, you know, moving over my left eye, moving over my right eye, going in deep. And again, some people have a hard time visualizing and that's fine. Just keep practicing it and you will eventually be able to scan through. You can say going over my sinuses, going over the back of my head, going inside my head, going over my brain going down uh, over my tongue, going over my cheeks, going over my lips, and then keep going down. So you can basically just scan through your whole body. And when you're scanning, what you're doing is you're just sensing, is there any discomfort? Is there any pain? Is Are there any areas that I feel are blocked? Or are there areas that every time I go down my throat, I can't move the energy? So just, you're paying attention. You're the observer and you're just paying attention to what's going on in your body. And again, this is um, sometimes difficult to begin, but I promise you, it is so worthwhile to practice it a little bit every day until you really get the hang of it. And there's no perfect way. Um, you just need to do it. It's one of those things. I mean, take five minutes a day and just do it as a practice. And so what you're doing is then you can actually, one way to activate your energy, your energy center. So that's a scan that you'll do. And the other way is to energy into the third eye, close your eyes, bring it down the front of your body and just go all the way down over your chest, over your belly, over your genitals and come up your backside and then go up your spine and up your neck and then over your crown, which is sitting right here, and then continue in an elliptical shape to go down and then continue that movement. And so what you're doing, and again, if you need to open your eyes, if you can't, if you've lost contact with the light, open your eyes, look at a, a source of contact, light energy, and then close your eyes and then keep doing it. And if you can do this for five minutes, you're actually, it's, it's better than a nap. You're activating that energy in your body and you're, you're purposefully, intentionally moving your energy. And you're trying to relax every part of your body as you do it. And you're just taking external macrocosmic light source energy into your body and utilizing it to move your energy centers up and down. And you're not letting it go. You're just taking it in and moving it. So it, it's kind of like you're recycling the light from outside. Okay. So priming. So this is something else. So the, the idea with priming and the name priming comes from uh, Tony Robert, Tony Robbins. I've done this in different forms, but I like his form, which is, you know, the idea is that when we start our days, we start our days sometimes groggy, and we wake up with the thought, oh, I'm already late. Oh my God, I'm late. Oh my God, I've got to do this. I've got to pay this bill. I've got to run here. I've got to do this. I've got to run to the bathroom. So we're, we're in actions and sometimes some people wake up happy 
they'll wake up ugh, another day. So priming is a way to intentionally design your life so that you you are setting the stage. So what you'd start with would be doing your breathing exercises and then the forced exhalation. So just get that, you know, run to the bathroom, come back, sit on the bed, sit on a chair. And we say 10 minutes. I always say, you know what? If you can do it for one minute, get it done. Just do it. It doesn't matter. If you can take 20 minutes, great. Most of us don't have 20 minutes in the morning because we've got a million things to do. Take, start with one minute. Just condense it all together. The idea is that you're implanting the, the thought in your head. And once you do that, then you can start to activate. And you'll see some of the results. You'll see better results when you do it a little bit longer. But you'll start to see results and then you so the force exercise, so you're breathing, you can do the, you know, deep breath in, you can do the Thich Nhat Hanh. You can, with the force exhalation, an easy way to do it is just put the arms up. So you kind of stretch your body a little bit and just simply just like that. So what you're doing is you're getting all that dead air space out of your body. And when you, when you create a vacuum, you automatically have to take a breath in. You know, even we know that when kids hold their breath and they can pass out, the reflexes in the brain immediately, because the body needs that air, needs that oxygen so crucially, the body has in place the effect that um, you will start breathing again automatically, even if you're passed out. So that's, again, the beauty of it all. So start with the forced exhalation. Then sit for a moment. I mean, ideally, you're doing all this 5, 10, 15, you know, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, three minutes. Again, play with it. Even if you do one minute and you get a four-minute priming. Moments of gratitude. So, you know, we always, our brain tends to go to, What's wrong? What do we need to do? It's always the the negativity of it. So we can prime ourselves and we can train ourselves to sit for a minute in the morning and be grateful. Just express gratitude. And if you can't think of anything, I'm grateful that the sun is out. I'm grateful that it's raining. I'm grateful that I woke up today. So it doesn't have to be anything vast. I'm grateful that my children are healthy. I'm grateful that. I'm healthy. I'm grateful that I smell coffee downstairs. Okay. So just go to that place of gratitude and feel like you're holding it in your heart. Just again, you're priming your heart to open up with gratitude and with the possibility of things to come. And then the second, the third thing is experiencing that connection with, with love. So again, you're bringing that gratitude into your heart. You're kind of infusing that love and opening up. And then think of some moment, some person, some experience that you feel has blessed your life. You know, it could be um, when you went to kindergarten and you were so excited. It could be, you know, a playmate that you had fun with in first grade. It could be a teacher. It could be your child. It could be your spouse. It could be your best friend. Just some experience that you know when you think of that person, that place, that thing, that experience, it just lights you up with light. So 
make that heart connection. And then when you make that heart connection, then you can take that energy and actually kind of send it out over your body and you can send it out into the world. Send it out first to yourself, then send it to your personal space. It can extend into the rest of your house, your home. It can extend to your family that's there. It can extend to your friends. That's the energy, that love energy. But it has to start with you remembering something that really sparks you some love connection that lights you up, right? Something that makes you just so happy, just a remembrance. And when you start your day with that, poof, like the world's your oyster. And then the visualization is, you know, again, we tend to say, gee, I did that class and I didn't get an A. I did something and you list all the things that were done incorrectly. But what you want to do is start, you know, Tony says, stacking, stack all the good experiences of your life, stack all the good stuff. I mean, the other stuff may need work, but the idea is it's progress and not perfection, right? We're always in action. So we keep moving along with what we need to do. But first we want to have that, that primal experience first thing in the morning that we're on fire. And so this is a way to prime yourself to get there. And this is, you know, that's the uh, image of the lotus. So the lotus is that peace, harmony, serenity. And it's the, 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 the human being with all your energy centers activated. And you create peace and harmony in your life and in your world at large. So really, the idea is that we emanate energy. And so we're going back. I'm going back. I'm here to help you turn which is energy medicine. You can take all the vitamins, minerals, you can take all the drugs, you can take, have all the surgeries, but if inherently you don't have that healing force within yourself, it's not going to last, right? And it's not going to make you happy. So step three is, again, in the, in the, in the phase of mindfulness, is be an observer and keep an open mind. So what does that mean, be an observer? It means stop being your worst enemy. Stop being the critic. We know we can criticize everything outside, but that just really means that we're criticizing ourselves the worst. Anything that we do outside to others, we're doing to ourselves a thousand times more, right? We're, if we're belittling outside, we're belittling inside. If we're expecting perfection from someone else, we're expecting that perfection from ourselves a million times more. So take a moment to just watch. Be the observer and see what is without judgment, without judgment. And the idea is that, and don't be attached, right? This is a little bit of the Buddhist way. Don't judge it. Don't attach to it. Don't let it stick to you. Just let it go and observe. And ask questions. Hmm, what, am, what is this? What am I feeling? Hmm, I wonder what he meant by that, or maybe nothing, right? So as soon as you take it in, let it go. As soon as you take it in, let it go. You're just observing what is. You could take notes. This is good for journaling. It's good when you're doing any kind of you know healing process on yourself or when you're doing 
detox program, which we'll be talking about. The idea is that you take it in, write it down, and you let it go. You don't need to focus on it anymore. And just make a promise to yourself. Promise yourself. For, to, for today, for today only, I will withhold judgment and criticism for myself and for others. And you'll see that that starts to extend. And when you catch yourself doing it, just say, I made a promise for today, I will withhold criticism and judgment. The other thing as an observer, which is really crucial, is that, you know, our body gives us signals for a reason. There are pain signals for a reason. The body is telling us something. And oftentimes we overlook it, right? I mean, I know this comes up with patients that have, you know, chronic constipation. And how does it develop initially? Because they get the signal that they need to move their bowels and they go, oh, not the right time. I'm going to stop. I, I can't do it now. And guess what? That signal starts to dissipate. And after time, those intestinal muscles get lazy and they don't respond in the same way. So it has actual consequence. Um, in, your, in your body, you might feel like a crick in your neck, you might feel a pain in your shoulder. Now, paying attention to your body signals is important also, which has to do with food sensitivity and food allergies. Oftentimes when I put people on food elimination programs and take it away and then reintroduce things, I mean, I've had patients that have said, you know what, I was off wheat or gluten or dairy for three to four weeks. And then when I reintroduced it, I got a pain in my shoulder. I had that chronic pain that I've always had that actually started to release. So it's it's not so obvious sometimes. Like who would have thought? I I I didn't suspect it, but when you have people do things and they come back and tell you stories and multiple times that, that happens, then I started putting um, you know, there's a pattern to that. So it's important to listen to your body, listen for the signals. Don't go immediately to, you know, this means this, but you need to kind of ask those questions again and get to the source or to the root of the problem. And don't just try to cover it up. I have a headache. I'm going to take a pill to get rid of a headache. No, your headache is there for a reason. Like, what is it? And then the other part of it is listening to the answers we get. Oftentimes we, we don't pay attention, so we're not listening. And then when an answer comes to us, you know, intuitively sometimes we overlook it. We say, ah, oh, that can't be. That was just an accident. That was just a coincidence. So again, paying attention to that, being the observer. Um, and so, you know, the thing is, when you observe something, sometimes things come up. Like, and so how do you keep an open mind? And I think by asking those questions, and how do you clear those things that no longer serve you? So you keep up that you have a pattern, and that's where sometimes the affirmations come into play, right? So the idea is that you can say to yourself, I'm willing, and I like this, this I learned from Louise Hay years ago, I'm willing to release all those people, places, things, events, and limited beliefs that no longer serve me. So it can be as simple as that. I'm willing to change and I'm willing to release. So when you observe something, when you observe a pattern that you feel is a negative force in your life, repeat it as um, 
an affirmation. I'm willing to release all those things, people, places, things, events, limited beliefs, you name it, you fill in the blanks from there. So step four of this is move body, move your body, move your body, move your body, move your body. How do you move forward? One step at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I heard this from um, Barry Baumgartner, um, the founder, a co-founder of um, Leap and Sage Events. And I love that. The picture of an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you do anything? One step at a time. One thought at a time. Don't try to take on a big event all at once. You take little chunks, step by step, breath by breath, inch by inch, right? And the important thing is just to keep moving and to not demand perfection. Um, you know, perfection seems to be the lowest standard. Who can achieve it? You're setting yourself up for failure by expecting perfection. So the idea is just keep moving, just keep moving. Um, I remember years ago, I saw a, a film of this man and I think he was in his nineties and he loved to fly kites on the beach. And um, the interviewer asked him why he said, when I fly a kite, it makes me look up at the sky and I see all the beauty and the wondrous events rather than, you know, being hunched over and just focusing down. So move your feet, keep, keep moving and keep looking up. I mean, and the biggest thing that we all need is flexibility in our lives. We need flexibility in our bodies because that is kind of that longevity anti-aging. We need flexibility in our minds. We need flexibility in our thoughts and we need flexibility in our heart because life is constantly changing. And um, I was thinking about this quote yesterday, a body in motion stays in motion. I, I didn't realize it was from Newton because I probably didn't study it for a hundred years. Um, and a body at rest stays at rest. Guess what? How true is that? I mean, it's the law, one of the laws of gravity, right? You keep moving, you keep moving and eventually you get the momentum and then your body follows that your body will basically follow your direction. You know, I always say that our body and our minds are like computers. I mean, we need to direct it, but we need to direct it with the way and the direction we want it to go. So we need to focus in on where we want to go with it. Um, okay, so this is a um, Body Keeps the Score. I love this. And it actually is the title of a book by a man, a doctor, um, Bessel van der Kolk. He's a psychiatrist, a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, and it's called Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. So interesting that, um, you know, as a traditionally trained uh, psychiatrist, and most psychiatrists are just, you know, shall I say it, like drug pushers, um, you have this, take antidepressants, take anti-anxiety medicine, it's medicine, 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 it's a pharmacological-based um doctor generally. Well, he actually um, was open enough and was an observer enough that he correlated not just the mind, but the body. So the mind-body connection, there's a mind, there's a brain-gut connection, there's a brain-body connection. So when you start to open up your mind to all these possibilities, so what happens with trauma, any trauma, you know, when I had my car accident, I had trauma to my neck and my 
um, shoulder. And eventually, because it wasn't um, taken care of, it went down to my back. So it caused a lot of you know spasms in my low back. So the idea is that you want to get to the cause, to the root cause of it. Um, and sometimes it's physical trauma. Sometimes it's emotional trauma. Sometimes it's um, you know, psychological. I mean, there's chemical trauma. It could be a toxin that you've ingested. It could be environmental toxins, you know, of or kids that have ingested lead from paint or people that have ingested mercury from fish. So it's trauma and there's all ways that we um, take it in and are exposed to it. So don't limit the thinking of what trauma is. But the idea is that whatever source of it, it affects our body in some ways. And so to get to the root cause of it, like I said, with the headache, um, the root cause could be neck tension. The root cause could be um, a chemical reaction. Like you might be having a um, an effect vascular uh, constriction from coffee or too much sugar, right? That would be a chemical reaction of trauma to the body. So the idea is that you want to return to the injury. Like what's the, what's the source of it? Focus on where in your body you're holding that pain. Because if you don't address it, then the idea really is that it will linger and uh, fester, right? And create other problems. So this is going to the deepest um, source of healing. And we know that emotional issues that we've held on to, whether it's, again, um, you know, sexual abuse, domestic violence, um, emotional abuse, yelling, screaming. I mean, narcissistic behaviors. I mean, all those things, you know, add up to creating some trauma, not just in us emotionally, but physically. And physically, if it's not um, the physical abuse, we don't see it, but we know it lingers in somewhere in our psyche and in our physical being. So again, one way to, to work with this from a, an, an alternate uh, non-conventional way is to use that scanning and feel, sense intuitively where you might be holding. You know, I've worked with patients that have, you know, we've done um, healing around the heart area and, you know, people can burst into tears because there's a memory of things past that starts to come up when you start to do this work. The idea is not to hold on to it. The idea is to release it. And so again, with the headache, what you're doing is you're focusing to the center point of it and get to the memory of it. Describe the color of it. So describe everything around it. And then um, I have a friend who was studying a, um, a Japanese meditation and she told me that one of the te techniques that she was doing was to, was to throw that, you know, sometimes we release it, throw it out, but her technique was to throw it into a black hole. So it like sucks it up and it's gone, disappeared. So I love that. And I put that into effect. And I think that's really powerful. So when you're releasing things, release them, but throw them into the black hole. Boom, they're gone. You don't have to deal with them anymore. They're released, released. Now, it doesn't mean that it can happen in one second. Sometimes it can. It can be as easy as that. You've moved into the past for a moment. You've identified. You've seen the root cause. And you've now said, black hole, it's gone. So um, if you get a chance to check out his book, it's, it's really interesting. But one of the things he said was that he thought that yoga was one of the best practices uh, for his patients that were going through trauma, yoga. 
So again, it's going back from the mental, psychological, emotional state back into the body where from holding certain poses, you're releasing those energy. You know, again, going back to the the chakras, you're releasing the energies that are blocked in uh, pinpoint areas of our body. So this is about, again, paying attention to the moment. And it's, you know, in the moment, it's really, what is it? It's moment by moment, second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, you know, because it's like the thought that exists is only in the now. You could think about the past and you can remember a memory and you can, you know, we have memory cells for smell and all that. But even those memory cells bring us to experiencing it now. It may, we may revisit the memory, but the memory is bringing us to now. Like we may, may remember what it, what it smelled like, you know, being in that garden in the forest. It brings us to smelling it now. You can't be living five years ago and smelling it. You're smelling it now. It's activating your memory now. So just keep focus on the now here. Focus on what's happening now. It's always present tense. And you need to let go of that story. So the story of I'm chronically ill, I'm chronically sick. Nothing ever works. Nothing ever matters. I mean, all those things that we tell ourselves, it's like you need to, again, be the observer and see what is, not what you remember it to be. And that's part of that healing. Um, again, there is no past. There is no future. You're imagining that nothing else exists but right now and that you have the ability to create what's now. Step five, I love this one. This is me. <laughs> Allow joy to be the focus of your being and laugh long and laugh hard. And yes, you can learn this. So my great story about this is that when I was young, and I'm going to say, I don't know, four or five years old, I was by myself in my house, my two, not a house. It was a two bedroom apartment in Brooklyn where I grew up, downtown Brooklyn. Yes, I'm a Brooklyn girl. And I guess I was bored because I used to do all kinds of things to entertain myself. Um, you know, I was a teacher and I would make up imaginary student names. I would give them assignments. I would give them stars, gold stars, blue stars, red stars, um, green stars. And I had a picture of myself, which I, I can't locate now, but I showed it to one of my patients. He said, oh, Nene, you've grown up to be your, what do you mean? I said, you know, that I was a teacher. She said, well, you, you are a teacher and we're all of your students and you give us gold stars if we follow the program correctly, you know, and if we don't, you know, you tell us what we need to do next. She goes, you, you became your vision. And I thought, oh, that's like perfect. I, I love that. Um, but laughing. Oh, so I, I decided one day sitting in the corner, I don't think I was being punished sitting there and I started coughing and coughing, 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 and coughing, 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 coughing until I caught myself into hysterical laughter, hysterical laughter. And I continued doing that until I could do it without having to cough so much. I could actually get myself into a state of hysterical laughter almost instantaneously. So I tell you this story because you can learn it. You can train your body. And the things that I'm known for, both personally and professionally, is that I laugh a lot and I uh, infuse other people with laughter.
20 hours. Now, I don't say that to Brad, but it's true. And I say it because uh, I taught myself that. So that, that, and I remember the uh, integrative um, health symposium in Manhattan. And there's a doctor there who has a um, mind, mindfulness center, mind body center in George Washington. Um, and he works with, um, he told some stories of working with war-torn refugees over in Syria. And that, you know, coming from the idea that you, you can't experience two things at the same time, right? You can't be happy and sad simultaneously. You can't have that emotion at the same time. The idea that he said what worked was that, uh, and these are people that had horrible experiences and lives, you know, kids picking up body parts at five years old. I mean, like, we can't even imagine a story like that. But he, a room full of them, to start laughing. And he said that healer healed healed people from that trauma just bringing up the laughter i heard over 15 years ago and i thought i love this this is what we all need it's laughter and so i started changing it's mindful healing through joy and laughter mindful healing mindful breathing through joy and laughter and that to me is the essence of health is it's not just having a low cholesterol test. It's not just having, um, you know, a profile on paper. And tests are important. And I, I check for clinical tests. And I, I think they're really important. That doesn't dictate how healthy you are. It just dictates that maybe something needs fine-tuning. And maybe there's some risk factors. It doesn't dictate the totality of your life experience. So join one of my... Okay. Uh, step six is eating light. I mean, you know, balanced. So we look at, you know, Mediterranean diet still seems the diet. Um, and what does that mean? A diet, but we've seen the lifestyles of the uh, people in the Mediterranean, uh, Greek, Italian, you know, European, Slovakian. I mean, they tend to eat more dominant fruits and vegetables, um, lean protein, so light on heavy meals. Um, you know, and even the Asians, I mean, when you go, it's like, it's rice and then protein or meat is a smaller portion of it, as opposed to coming here and having, you know, Texas style 42 steaks. No, a steak might be four ounces and then your plate is filled with colorful vegetables and fruits and the darker, the better. I have a presentation uh, called the Rainbow Food Plan which is, is really great to see how all the different foods fit different categories to make us really healthy. And then of course, nutraceuticals, because I, you know, in an ideal world, food would be enough, but in a world where food is being processed and adulterated and hormones and pesticides that we're exposed to, we actually need, and, and also our lifestyle that we're under, you know, um, we're kind of terrorized, I would say, by the news, the media, um, you know, fear. Fear is out there everywhere. And so that's why all of these techniques work, but also our metabolism is being overrun somewhat, uh, especially, you know, living in New York City where there's the, you know, the noise factor, the, the, the fear factor. I mean, the um, pollution, I mean, you know, all those things, uh, water pollution, air pollution, car pollution, uh, pollution. 
um, we need the extra nutrients, the nutraceuticals to help us be healthier and push our way um, to a healthier place. Okay, so I wish there was a magic wand and I can say, you know, whatever they say, <laughs> here's the wish. We all are cleansed, our livers are clear, our livers are cleansed, and that would be the magic wand to do that. Unfortunately, um, I don't have that power and neither do you. So we need to do a little work to get there. And the important thing is getting off the wheel, that wheel, that wheel where we're eating junk, we're drinking too much, we're not drinking enough, um, we're drinking too much maybe alcohol, we're not drinking enough water, we're not having some green juices, we're not neutralizing through chlorophyll, the dark green leafies, um, you know, we're not having enough um, alkalinization, we have too much acid in our bodies. There's so many things that we need to get off the wheel of. Part of this discussion has been getting off the wheel of our limited beliefs that we have to be a certain way. So that's the first step. You want to just imagine that you can be healthy again, um, but you want to get off the wheel of some of the stuff we're doing that's detoxifying us. So the outcome with any kind of program is, I mean, make your body a better place to live. That's my goal. That's been my motto for over 30 years. Make your body a better place to live. And then I added, and leave people wondering why you look and feel so good, right? Why not? That's that's the outcome. I mean, people go, wow, you look really great. Wow, your skin looks so good. Gee, you dropped some weight. Gee, you're like so more active. Gee, you seem really happier and lighter than from the last time I saw you. So that's all the outcome. I mean, why do this if you're not going to have a really good outcome? And outcome two is that you're going to change your old patterns and replace them with healthier ones. So the idea is, yeah, getting off the wheel means giving yourself a break from your old patterns. Maybe you're having too much, you know, bread every day, every meal you're having bread. Maybe you're eating too much meat. Um, maybe you need, you know, you've been gunking up your system. Maybe you're constipated. Maybe you have diarrhea. I mean, so many different ways of interpreting what you need. Only you know, and as I say, I always go back to, you are your own best doctor. So my job is to really educate you and to support you through, your, through this way. And then the other outcome is you want to increase your energy and you want to transform your health from the inside out, not just doing plastic surgery, which might work for some people, but that doesn't mean that that's going to extend your longevity or extend your telomeres, which have to do with aging or increase the health of your liver. You know, you want to do it from the inside out. You need to do it from the inside out because this is all about how the body heals and how you can transform your health. And, you know, people used to say to me, well, if I do this, do I have to do it again? And I would say, well, you know, it's not like you can have one good meal in your life and that's going to last you for a hundred years. It doesn't work that way, right? You need to keep supporting yourself because everything changes. And the body you have at 10 is different than when you are 20. And the body at 20 is different than 40 and on and on and on and on. And if you are, you know, 50, 60, 70, um, which, you know, big population is, and I count myself there, don't you want to go to 80, 90 and 100, but healthy in a healthy way. So this is all the reason for these outcomes.
again, the breakthrough understanding really is that there's no magic potion. Um, there's not one pill. There's not one drop. There's not one injection that's going to do this. It really is, you know, what we call now lifestyle medicine. And I like to say longevity lifestyle medicine. And we know from studies that we're born with certain genes and I'm actually doing um, genetic uh, testing with people now. So the DNA can show where your inherent weaknesses are. However, and you can't change that. What it is, is, but it shows what we need to address you know, is it cardiovascular? Is it detoxification? Is it methylation? But the other test is epigenetic testing, which actually shows our biological age as opposed to our chronological age. So you might be 50, but your body biologically is 30. You might be 70, but biologically your body is 60. That's what you want to look at because that will determine your risk factors the higher your biological age the, with aging, the more risk factors you will have for chronic disease. And we know those are some of the issues that we're facing today. Chronic degenerative um, aging is really coming from the health of your tissues and the health of your organs. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by liking, sharing, and subscribing to my channel. If you have any ideas of new topics that you would like me to discuss, please send me a message. And as I like to say, ciao, ciao for now.